Blog Talk Radio. Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Good evening, hello everybody, and welcome to another edition of Red vs. Blue, Fantasy Sports Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football, uh, now representing FFToolbox.com and the Fantasy Football World Championships. Last week we had a great show. It was a live draft. Uh, actually, part of the NFFC, the National Fantasy Football Championship, had a lot of fun with that. And uh, this week we participated in an expert draft on Tuesday night. So we're going to talk about that tonight. We're also going to talk about the FF Toolbox named Breakout Player of the Year, David Wilson. Matt DeLima will be on with us in just a minute. But as always, joined by the Big Blue co-host himself from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mike uh, Jaquan Lyle commits to Louisville. Big name recruit coming to Louisville. We had the NBA draft last night. So we'll just spend, you know, 30 seconds. NBA draft, what were your thoughts? Well, I'm going to spend 30 seconds talking about the fact that I'm holding a phone to my ear with a cord being charged up. Uh, my phone is really, really out of whack right now, Scott. I hope everybody can hear me just fine. Uh, you know, this is crazy. I, I used to do this, what, five years ago or ten years ago when I would talk to you, uh, talking to the phone, you know, with, with an, up to my ear. But anyway, uh the uh, the draft last night, the draft went kind of uh, kind of crazy. A lot of trades in the NBA draft last night. Uh, so it tells me that uh, a lot of teams they they weren't happy with what they got, and so they're just trying to buy and sell, buy and sell, buy and sell, just like a, a lot of us do in uh, dynasty leagues. So you know it was it was kind of it was kind of fun to watch and kind of interesting to watch. Get paddled in the chat room today. Someone get Scott a Pistons cap. And uh, you know it. I, I, uh, I had already I was on the phone with the Utah Jazz department getting me a Gorky Jang jersey, uh, and then he got traded to the T Wolves. But hey, Siva did go. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see Siva 
go to the Pacers because they desperately need point guard help to help George Hill. Uh, and he goes like one pick later. Uh, it was uh, pretty disappointing that the Pacers didn't take advantage of that. But the Detroit Pistons did. They need a lot of help. It'll be nice to see Peyton Siva get uh, some action in the NBA. I hope he makes the team. If he works hard. I think he has. Uh, he can do it, Mike. Yeah, he works hard. Uh, he's just, you know, he's got a lot of things going against him, let's face it. Uh, you know, his size, uh, his uh, explosiveness is really not there like the NBA would like to see in his jump shot. But uh, you never know, man. Hard work goes a long way. All right, this is um, the Red vs. Blue show, sponsored by Wonka. Mini Chewy Sweet Tarts today. It's going to be one of those shows, man. We've got a lot going on in the in the uh, NFL. Obviously, the big news, the big story that has dominated the the news, which was why we put the, uh, the tribute to Boston uh, at the beginning of the show. But Aaron Hernandez, we, you know, we're really sorry about this entire situation in the murder of Odin Lloyd. And uh, we don't, we are a fantasy show, but we're also kind of a, uh, this show in particular, Mike, everybody knows it. It's more of a variety show. We give you a little bit of everything, primarily in the world of high stakes fantasy football and in fantasy football in general. But this story about Odin Lloyd, it just, the deeper we got and the more we understood about this story, uh, it's just, it's just earth shattering news for everybody, including Patriots fans who may have been going to the games, taking their sons, having Hernandez jerseys uh, in their closet for their kids. That it's, uh, it's one of those really just terrible situations. It kind of wakes me up a little bit to realize that sometimes I unnecessarily put these guys up on a pedestal. You know, the more, the more we talk about them just all day long in fantasy and you own them and you root for them, but they're just like everybody else. And, uh, you know, this is kind of that wake-up call, uh, so to speak. Well, yeah, exactly. Remember the old Charles Barkley? I'm not a role model. Yeah. Uh, same same type deal, man. And you know you can't. These guys, you know, we root for them, uh, and that's that's the deal. We root for them, but it's not like they're our best friend. So you know you got to differentiate, and uh, you know it's too bad uh, that deal. And apparently uh, there may be something a little bit more to the, that that one uh, murder than. Uh, you know, there might be another one. So, I, I don't know, man. I don't even want to go there. Uh, it just, it's a bad situation. And uh, so, just uh, try to look at your role models, um, maybe not being sports figures. And if they are, then, uh, you know, pick the right ones. Pick the right ones. Make sure you got the right ones. Well, real quick, before we get to uh, – before we bring in Matt DeLima to talk about uh, the 2013 Breakout Player of the Year for FF Toolbox, the Fantasy Football World Championship, uh, the sign-ups are underway. We have uh, just a couple of days left. If As long as you put your, as long as you pay your balance off for your main event team, by the 4th of July, by Independence Day, you will get your main event spot, uh, your draft slot in July, in the month of July. I think the, uh, the date there is the final Friday there, the 26th. You'll have it by the 26th. We'll probably get it out before then, but we just wanted to give some wiggle room there. But as long as you get your payment in by July 4th, you will get in. There are still spots remaining in uh, the main event, the Roto Bowls. The $99 Tuesday drafting goes every Tuesday night. Those have sold out every single week. Those have been a lot of fun. And uh, we participated in an expert mock draft that is now up on the uh, FF Toolbox website. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but let's first bring in uh, FF Toolbox's own Matt DeLima 
So we can talk about this David Wilson. Uh, Matt, this uh, this breakout player announcement, it's gotten a lot of play around the uh, the Twitter world, the Facebook social world. People are talking about David Wilson. Now, we're not the only ones on him, but uh, talk about David Wilson a little bit, what you know about him and, you, and uh, what, what you expect from him this year. Well, like I said in my article that you can check out at FF Toolbox, you know, David Wilson, um, he's only 22 years old. He showed a lot of promise in the last four weeks of the season. Uh, he has breakaway speed. He can contribute in multiple ways. Uh, he didn't get to show his uh, pass receiving skills that much, but he has pretty good hands. I expect him to be a breakout player. Um, he should possibly be a, like a middle RB2 with RB1 potential. I'm very high on him. I think most of the fantasy community community is really high on him, and for good reason because, you know, uh, the New York Giants have given him – have paved the way – for, uh, to give him a great opportunity. You're, Matt, you're also you're not the o- only one. Evan Silva of Roto World uh, called Wilson vertically and laterally dangerous, possessing natural looseness and outstanding ability to beat first contest and breakaway long speed. Then we hear Tiki Barber this week. It seems like there's a lot of talk about David Wilson in general. Now I know the knock was, hey, you got to hang on to the football, and Andre Brown is a very capable back. Uh, Giants coming off a very disappointing 2012, so uh, there there is there is a, a lot more than just David Wilson just taking the ball and running with it. Oh, absolutely, but you know um, that fumble got a lot of play, but the ball security wasn't uh, wasn't an issue for the rest of the season. The thing that that knocked him there was that there was some concerns about his ball security coming out of college. And this kind of goes with Wilson's style of play, where he's playing a little bit uh, beyond his means. He's 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 trying to he's trying to play against the grain. He's trying to bounce runs outside, so he does need to show more discipline. The thing, if you watch the tape, uh, even going back to college, Wilson he has tunnel vision sometimes. He'll hit the hole and he'll sometimes hit his, hit his blocker right in the back. Uh, he needs to be able to show a little bit more. Uh, open field vision and uh, run to the open spaces. Uh, but, you know, he's got a great combination of skills. I really love his lower body strength. He can absorb contact, bounce off tackles, uh, fight through for extra yards. He falls forward. Um, all the little things are there for him to be a great back. You know, in my article, I compare him to C.J. Spiller. Um, C.J. Spiller was also uh, a return man in college, split time in college. It took him a little while to get his uh, to get his feet under him. Uh, that also had to do with Fred Jackson and kind of uh, getting the right playing time. Um, but they're very similar in that they have that speed. They can contribute in multiple ways. You know, it might it might seem blasphemous because you know CG Spiller right now is kind of breaking out into his own. Finally had a big year last year. But they're very similar players, uh, very similar skill set. Hey man, uh, this is. Yeah, hey man, real quick, uh, this is Mike. Uh, you know, I, I really, uh, I really loved uh, your article. I, I just uh, read it a couple minutes ago and uh, just uh, kind of broke it down a little bit. Uh, the one thing uh, that I, I mean, I've always, I've loved David Wilson. I, I drafted him as a rookie, and last year it was, it was fairly disappointing. But uh, one thing about this coming up year is, what do you think about his schedule and uh, who he's going up against? 
as far as uh, the teams and their, uh, you know, their, their uh, rush average, basically. Uh, you know, I, I'm just kind of curious as to what you think about the schedule that, the, that he's going up against. Uh, street to schedule, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, I'm not really playing uh, the matchups with with David Wilson. If you ha- if you have Wilson as like say your your flex or uh, maybe your running back too, I understand you might want to play the matchups a little bit. But the bottom line is that uh, it really what, what's really the bigger concern to me is uh, whether or not he gets a lion's share of the carries. Now. Uh, Brown is good, but he also has his own concerns. You know, he doesn't. He he only has one year under his belt, just like Wilson. So it's not like he's fighting against a very established player. You know, there's a reason why the Giants, you know, basically let Bradshaw walk out the front door. Um, you know, the injuries and the fact that Wilson does have a tremendous upside. They invested a first round pick in Wilson. Um, the schedule. Uh, I, I, I personally, I don't really pay attention to the schedule, um, so I can't really comment. I'll give you a good comment on it. Okay. Yeah. Right. There's two. There's two main keys here. Obviously, uh, and again, this is Matt DeLima uh, is our guest tonight, lead analyst for FFToolbox.com. Uh, just came out with the article uh, the team had selected David Wilson as the 2013 breakout player. And there's two areas where really, once you once you are the designated as the starting running back, which it sounds like that's what he is, very explosive player. There's two things that really come to my mind, Matt, and that's pass protection, right? And in fantasy with the FFWC and Roto Bowl, uh, PPR is a big deal. So catching balls out of the backfield. And so I know last year blitz pickups were spotty at best, and you know, look, you can't have Eli Manning, you know, knocking to the to the ground here. This is the New York Giants. And I, I read an article about the running backs coach, very critical last year of Wilson's performance. And they're saying now that he's seen considerable improvement in the offseason. So I feel like the, the blitz pickup is there. So now my only question, since you've watched a lot of Virginia Tech games, how is he in the backfield? Because he didn't catch a lot of balls last year. He only caught four balls and he dropped a couple. So – I, I, I've got to hope that he can catch the ball. Right, and, and his hands aren't the, aren't the big concern. It's his discipline. You know, when you're talking about these explosive athletes coming out of college, um, basically they're given free reign, and it's up to the offense to kind of contain and give them direction and for for them to really drive home the idea of staying on assignment. Uh, like I was saying with him playing against the green you know, he's basically freestyling out there once he gets the football in his hands. So he needs to be able to uh, play within the system and play within himself. And that's something that admittedly is going to come with time and come with repetition. And, uh, you know, that's that's another one of those concerns where he's going to have to show it. Uh, the thing that you're drafting with Wilson is not his certainty. You're, you're, you're drafting his potential. And, you know, that's the thing that most people are going to be looking at. And so when you're drafting on potential, you might have to reach. You're going to be competing with other people in your draft um, on where they're going to take them. You know, I'm doing a dynasty league, so maybe it's a little skewed, but Wilson was selected at the end of the second round with the 12th, with the 12th pick in the second round. Um, in redraft leagues, he's probably going maybe a half round to a round later. 
So you know, if you want him, you're going to have to you're going to have to really want him. Yeah, we feel like David Wilson is that third round running back right now. Very likely is going to be drafted in the early second round. By the time September gets here, that's after a couple of preseason games. That's after he's kind of anointed the starter. And, you know, if he breaks a long run in the preseason, this guy's going to be, you know, this year's Doug Martin being drafted, you know, early in the second round. Now, big Virginia Tech guy, I got to ask you, looking at the backs, I've been really disappointed with Virginia Tech backs. I always get hyped up about them. I, I was really hyped about Ryan Williams. The jury's still not out, and it's not over, but it's getting there. Darren Evans I liked. Uh, I loved Kevin Jones, and I liked Lee Suggs. These were all guys years ago that I was re- that I was really high on. It doesn't seem like any of them. So is Wilson the guy here for Virginia Tech running back? You know, the thing is is that I'm still – if I still had to pick, I still love Ryan Williams. The kid just had some really bad luck with injuries. You know, he tore an ACL in college. He had more knee problems in his first year. Um, I'm thinking it was a shoulder or a collarbone or something this last season. He didn't even really get to play. Maybe he played in one-and-a-half games. So I still really like Ryan Williams. Um, as for those other guys, all those guys were great in college. Um, but, you know, Virginia Tech also played in the Big East, you know, 12, 15 years ago. So the competition wasn't quite the same. I love Kevin Jones, too. He's great hokey. All those guys are great. Um, but David Wilson, what's different about him is just his, his explosiveness. I would actually compare uh, Williams more to a uh, more of a shifty, make a guy miss, hit the hole. He, he, he doesn't have that same breakaway speed. What makes Wilson different is that he can run away from people. You know, there's videos of him on YouTube doing 10 backflips in a row. His athleticism's unparalleled. Um, but, yeah, you know, don't get me started on Virginia Tech. We'll just, just <laughs> ring it indefinitely. Hey, man, hey, man. Uh, you know, real quick, if uh, if Wilson didn't have those fumble issues in the first uh, couple games of uh, last season, do you think we would even be having this conversation, or do you think he would already have been a uh, breakout player? I think he would have already broken out. And to an extent, he kind of did in those last few weeks, uh, given his limited touches. Um, I think what really hurt him, and I mentioned this in the article, is just his intensity. And uh, I can't verify it. It looked like he was crying on the sidelines. And I don't say that to dog him. I'm just saying that he was intense. And you can't do that as a pro. You can show emotion. You can yell. You can scream. Uh, but crying on the sideline, I don't think Tom Coughlin was having any of that. Um, I think he was kind of protecting him in a way uh, from that disappointment and didn't want to break his spirit right. or confidence, and that, that that showed and developed as he got more playing time. I think that um, he's going to be a great football player, and even if he even if he completely tanks this season, I still have that that third-year C.J. Spiller – because, uh, you know, C.J. Spiller broke out in his third year. You know, some players just – we might just be a year early um, to the hype train, and uh, that's – I mean, that's the way fantasy football works sometimes. Sure. It was he uh, – basically, he just uh, – he, he he got a wake-up call. It's like, holy cow, this is the NFL, and uh, I made a mistake. I made a mistake to hurt my team, and this hurts bad. So, and just kind of uh, – He's going to rebound from that. Cool. Good stuff, man. Thanks. 
Matt, before we let you go, my man, uh, you did write a pretty neat article. Uh, it was titled Lance Moore, the Ultimate Handcuff, in reference to that comment that I made on the podcast on Tuesday night. What did you What did you take from writing that article? What What, what was the, What was the main takeaway in that? Are you Are you a believer in this guy? You know, definitely. My 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 philosophy when it comes to fantasy is give me maybe the third best playmaker in a good offense rather than maybe the best or second best guy on a bad football team. And that's exactly what Lance Moore provides. Now, with players like that, it's more of a boom or bust uh, style of production. Um, and his, his production is, is going to be highly dependent upon the health of the players around him. Uh, but Drew Brees has shown a pretty good consistency in looking for him in the red zone. I think he's put up six or eight touchdowns in each of the last three years. Um, I think his uh, his role is going to expand even more, and it expanded last season. So even even more, <laughs> more we'll have more. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that yeah. you know the Saints are going to be even better because Sean Payton's back. The defense can't possibly be any worse. And you know, the last time that the defense is on the field, that's more time for Drew Brees, you know, to do the things that he does. And you know. Um, Basically, I break it down where Jimmy Graham's the go-to guy. Uh, Colson is, is basically a possession receiver to me. I don't view him as a guy who can run deep routes and, you know, break a 50-yard play or something like that. He might break a 50-yard play because he breaks tackles because he's physical. But Lance Moore is going to be that guy who stretches the field, can work the slot, they can use him in a few different places, create mismatches, and uh, just like Sproles. So uh, PPR League should definitely keep an eye on Lance Moore. Yeah, you know Lance Moore. He had a thousand yards for the first time in his yeah he had a thousand yards for the first time in his career uh, last season. So he enjoyed a very good year. And and the and the thing that I noted, his yards uh, yards per game obviously up uh, highest than ever. His 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 uh, yards per reception yards per reception was off the charts last year at sixteen. I mean we don't see that except for guys like Torrey Smith. Vincent Jackson, Calvin Johnson, his yards per catch were at 16. And I said, well, is that him making moves after the catch or is that deep balls? And it's actually deep balls. His yards after catch, not impre- not very impressive at all, just at very average, 2.3. So uh, his yak per reception. Now, he had some drops, right? But yards per reception at 16, that tells you not only is he that workout guy, that, that, that guy that's going to work the field like, like I have always envisioned him, Matt, that kind of means he's also a deep threat. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of like a, a Steve Smith for the Saints, where he's a small guy, but he's still able to stretch the field. Um, he, does, he doesn't necessarily have that burner speed, but, he, you know, he, you might say he's more quick than fast. But he's able to do a lot of different things, and he does a lot of different things pretty well. You know, I always wondered and questioned, why is Devery Henderson on this team? You know, he doesn't get, they, mm-hmm. they barely throw him the ball. He maybe gets one deep pass per game. You know, Lance Moore is going to see all, see all those looks. He's going to see all those, um, you know, second and short, just chuck it deep, see if we can make something happen uh, on a free play. And just given how explosive the Saints have been year after year after year, there's a certain amount of dependability that you can count on for a guy who is – pretty much undervalued right now because most people view him as kind of a decent to okay wide receiver three, 
but given the offense, he can he can outproduce that and uh, take it a little further. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Hey, Matt DeLima, uh, lead analyst from FF Toolbox, thank you, my man, uh, for joining us on Red versus Blue. We look forward to uh, talking to you again on the FF Toolbox podcast, buddy. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Thanks, Matt. Man, uh, look, the Lance Moore stuff is intriguing, but I want to get back to David Wilson uh, because, again, this is what everybody's probably wondering is saying, can we trust David Wilson amongst all these other names that I could be drafting? I could be taking a forte. Uh, now, I'm talking about in September, guys. I'm not talking about right now. Right now, scoop him up in the third round. But come September, I'm saying he's going to be in the the same breath as Matt Forte, Reggie Bush, Stephen Jackson, Alfred Morris. I think he's going to be in that same breath. The, the The only question you're going to have when you when you think about David Wilson is not the carries. I mean, the carries, look, the Giants running backs we know are going to get carries. Uh, between uh, the, the last couple of years with Kevin Gilbride's offense, they're rushing the ball 380 times a, a game, right? And you think to yourself, okay, well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, it was on my Bradshaw and Wilson and Brown. Now it's just Wilson and Brown, to be honest. And those 380 carries are going to get split up. And I, and I think most people agree that Wilson's the better guy. So giving one, giving him 230, right, and giving Andre Brown 150, that's pretty generous, right? I mean, that's not, that's not anything too big to think, right? Uh, and he's going to be a middle of the road. Let's just say he's a middle of the road, not spectacular at yards per carry. I mean, last year he was spectacular, right? Uh, yep. So – we we're not expecting five yards a carry, but let's say he's around the four and a half mark, right? Uh, I don't think you're going to question any of that. The question becomes, how many receptions do you project for this guy? And, you know, uh, look no further than the Kevin Gilbride offense. Two years ago, running backs caught 88 balls out of that backfield. 88 balls. Last year, it went way down. It went way down to 50. And, I and, and you know, I, it's a, it's a little bit troubling to me. I'm still trying to feel that out, but it's still 50 balls. So it's between 50 and 88 somewhere, well, right? So you could still predict somewhere okay. around 60, 65, 60, 65 would probably be expectable, right? Well, so, Scott, real quick, a, a big yeah. reason uh, why why that uh, receptions from the backfield went down was because it wasn't designed. Uh, they're not going to throw it to Bradshaw that much coming out of the backfield. Uh, you know, and, and I believe that uh, David Wilson could be a breakout player. I think he will be a breakout player. Uh, but there are a lot of variables involved there. Uh, like you said, this, uh, you know, the NFL has turned into such a pass-happy type of uh, uh, offensive schemes. But still, David Wilson, I mean, he is electrifying, like Matt talked about. I mean, he, you know, that, that first couple weeks last year, I mean, that's why he got set, because he was just so electrifying that he just fumbled the ball a lot. And yeah. now he's got his eye together, and uh, he's, he's he's finding his way. So, uh, you know, if he if he catches a lot of passes in, in little screens, little flats, you better watch it. He could, be, he could be something. Well, if you give David Wilson that 230 carries I talked about, around four and a half, four point six 4.6 yards per carry, give him some touchdowns and that uh, – the, about 40, 45 receptions, because, look, there's a lot of receptions to go around in that offense with just a couple of running backs. He's going to be a top 10. He's going to be right there in that discussion between top 10 and top 12. So I like David Wilson. We've got him ranked number nine right now at FF Toolbox. 
that is, again, fluid. It's not going to be – but, look, uh, it's a very um, realistic yeah. expectation. If he takes the ball and runs with it and he's your lead back in, in New York, that's what you get. This, there's also one other thing I'll, I'll mention. Hakeem Nix has a big role in this offense. Him being out there changes the entire game for Eli Manning, and I, and I, and I don't want to forget that. I know, I know Cruz is a good receiver. But having Cruz and Knicks on opposite sides of the field, and now you throw in somebody explosive like Reuben Randall, that, uh, that spaces things up quite a bit. And, and I think the dumpers are a big part of what Eli was missing last year because of that inefficiency at, at the wide receiver position. Knicks wasn't uh, himself. And I think they were able to take that part of the game away. When you put weapons out there that they have to stretch the field, you don't have guys oh, sitting man. back. Uh, you know, those dumpers are available, and I think that's what you're going to see this year from David Wilson. Well, you know what? You, you made a great comment, and that's going to make Wilson even more explosive. You know, Wilson right now is saying, Hakeem, Victor, all you guys, Ruben, hey, man, let's be on the same page. Let's be healthy going into August. Let's make sure things on, you know, we're doing everything right because if that happens, then that makes David Wilson even more dangerous. Having having all those weapons, it's, it's hard to believe, but having all those weapons around Eli Manning makes Wilson even more dangerous. Well, I'm going to go ahead. Hey, the crew, the chat room here at Red versus Blue, uh, here's the draft board, gang, uh, that we're going to go ahead and discuss now, the Tuesday night experts draft. This is part of the team construction type part of the show that we really like to concentrate here on. BFD does a great job with this. Lou and uh, Joe Jefferson, uh, Dave Turp, all these guys, they put together these draft reviews, and they're going to do that for us this year, putting together the draft reviews, looking at how the draft is going down so that you can learn before you pony up the cash for it. Look, we got the $99 draft and goes going on Tuesday night, but if you don't want to experiment with that, you can wait. And you can wait for the real thing in Vegas uh, or online, the Roto Bowl or the main event. But let's take a look at this draft, Mike. Uh, Fantasy Taz was in this, Adrian Peterson, CBS Sports, Jamie Eisenberg, David, he took Doug Martin, who we have number one, and I know some people say that we're trying to be cute, you know, quote, cute. I don't think there's anything cute about Doug Martin being number one. I think what uh, what he represents is opportunity, the same as all these other young backs, Jamal Charles uh, included, uh, C.J. Spiller. Adrian Peterson is uh, had a monstrous year. But statistically, it shows that it's very hard to come back and repeat and do what you did last year. And the fact that he's – look, I mean, I know he's Superman and he looked fantastic last year. Uh, I would imagine that 348 carries is not what we're going to see. Would you agree? It's not going to be 348. Yeah. It's not going to be as high as 348. No, no I, don't, I don't see Adrian Peterson doing that. Uh, but yeah. I would have a hard time uh, drafting uh, – Doug and uh, Jamal Charles, Aaron Foster over Adrian Peterson. I really would. Well, no, look, I, I totally understand that. We've got Doug Martin ahead of him. And if you look at the points, it's not by much. Uh, it's probably a couple of points. It's nine points ahead, okay? Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, look, 348 carries was a lot. And, and you remember the latter part of that season. They were feeding him the ball because four or five weeks ago, everybody's talking about 2,000 yards. You remember that? He could get yep. there. He can get there. Well, they really tried to get him there, and they did. They got him there, and they made the playoffs, too. It was kind of a real fortunate run. Now, you can pretty much bank on the 12 touchdowns. He does that every year, but that's still a big number. Still a big number. And his receptions went way up. Now, 
I don't know what to think about the receptions. It was a, I think it was a career high in reception, 40 receptions last year. I'll say I'll give him somewhere in the 30s. I'm not going to give him 40, and I'm not going to give him 2,000 yards. I'll give him 1,700. You know, I feel pretty good about that. That's a big number. But last year was a career year for Adrian Peterson. He's a year older. Uh, he's still Superman. He's still I, We still have him as the number two back at 28 years of age. Uh, nothing to complain about there. We just think that Doug Martin showed enough last year in a PPR format to be an absolute beast and, uh, to, to reckon with. And we, we've named him as our number one running back of the year. Uh, PPR well, does sorry. add a lot of value yeah. to the to the total points. You get 55 catches versus 35. You got a 20 point spread. You got a you got basically a four touchdown spread on the next guy. Yeah, it's it's hard to go wrong with either one of them. Uh, I personally, like I said, I like AT, but it's hard to go wrong with either one of them. Uh, you know, it's going to be you know when when you're ready to draft uh, come uh, August September. I mean, in the uh, high stakes leagues. You know, that's when you really have to start looking at uh, your schedules and, uh, you know, who they're playing, what's going on, where they're playing at, and things like that. But uh, it's hard to go wrong with either one of those two. Well, let's take a look at this this draft. Fantasy Taz starts off with Adrian Peterson, CBS Sports, Doug Martin, KFFL, Jamal Charles, FF Today, Arian Foster. I took C.J. Spiller. Dynasty League Football took LaShawn McCoy. Six straight backs went off the board. Before uh, Joe Jefferson takes uh, from BFD Fantasy takes Calvin Johnson, uh, I, I think some could argue that any of those seven can be really interchangeable. You know, I don't mind anybody that puts CJ Spiller or Foster or Charles a little bit different spot. I don't mind anybody that puts Calvin up there anywhere from three, four, five, or six. I think any of that you're going to be fine. It's how you want to construct your team later. So let's look at the decision, Mike. If you went, if you were Jamal Charles owner KFFL, right? And you took Calvin Johnson. You're right. Maybe Reggie Bush and David Wilson. Pretty pretty okay. So, uh, but look, you're not hurting with Jamal Charles and and Larry Fitzgerald. That's a pretty nice combo, especially with how high some people are on Larry Fitzgerald. So, I think uh, I think I think it's it's pick your poison. I think look. And we've done, we've been through this before, Mike. Look, the first three rounds, everybody has a great team. That's not where you win your draft. You win right. your draft right. in those rounds four through ten. That's where four you win your draft. 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, t- I totally agree. Uh, however, in this draft, uh, you know, I really believe that, uh, you know, it, it would be, man, I just cannot see taking uh, McCoy over uh, Calvin Johnson. Right now, that's just me. That's just me. Uh, you know, but then again, he constructed his team uh, pretty nicely uh, after that. But uh, you know, Calvin Johnson uh, put up some serious stats last year, and I don't see him uh, retreating. I, I just, I just do not see his numbers uh, going back uh, this year versus last year. Yeah. All right. So this uh, this draft. Had a lot of interesting twists and turns to it. I want to take you to the four straight wide receiver run. Uh, Calvin, Dez, A.J. Green, Marshall. Everybody wanted to get one of those studs, and they said, ah, they don't want Ray Rice. Why don't you want Ray Rice? Well, that's a very popular topic right now with the Bernard Pierce you know, discussion. Everybody feels like Bernard Pierce isn't going to challenge Ray Rice, Mike. That's not the question. They think he's earned a role in the offense. And and look, I don't I don't dispute that. I think he has earned a role in the offense. 
150 carries maybe? Uh, there's a lot to go around. He had 108 last year. What do you think for Bernard Pierce? Give me a projected carry count for Bernard Pierce this year. Uh, I would say it's going to be a little bit increased from last year. Yep. Uh, but maybe not as much because they're going to have to lean on Ray Rice. This team is this team is going to be lucky to make the playoffs. I'm going to be flat out honest with you. They're going to be lucky to make make the playoffs because they probably will be coming from behind quite a bit, just like they did last year. You know, you know people forget uh, Baltimore. They came from behind a lot of times last year, and they had to come from behind to win and. Uh, you know, it worked out for them, but uh, this, this year coming up, it's going to be a little bit of a different story. So, you know, I don't, I, I don't think that Ray Rice is going to get uh, as much of the load that he got as last year. But I do see uh, Bernard Pierce being a being a very, very uh, big force. Yeah. Well, again, he's earned a little bit. I don't think it's a knock on Ray Rice at all. I think he's still going to bring what he always brings. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, uh, there's a very good chance he's still a top five running back in the league. If he's not five, he's right there at six or seven. He's not very far behind. I think people have just let the uh, Bernard Pierce um, love get a little bit out of hand. He's a great player. He has a great future on another team if he's able to get out of there. Uh, but for right now, he's he's destined to be Ray Rice's sidekick. Uh, so we will well, uh, we I mean, watch. Well, let's face it, Scott. I mean, Ray Rice, he, in, in running back age, he's still, you know, he's still got some wheels, man. I mean, you know, and, you know, I, I love what you just said. You know, everybody's kind of giving Ray Rice up and uh, saying, oh, well, he's done. Well, the guy's still got plenty of age on him. I mean, he's he's going to be fine. It's just the situation that this team is in right now uh, as far as, you know, what happened after they won the Super Bowl. They got, they got a lot of things to overcome. Yeah. All right, uh, so we've got uh, this run of wide receivers that uh, was a little bit unpredictable there, Ray Rice and Trent Richardson, to end the, tw- end the first round. There is a little bit of concern that I'm hearing creeping up. Uh, Trent Richardson uh, may not be, um, you know, look, can he, can he be that first-round bust that everybody's looking for? Everybody wants to avoid that landmine, Mike. It's always like – you're kind of dancing That's around perfect. and dancing around and looking for that bust, and sometimes it's like I don't see it. And now some people are kind of attaching themselves to T. Rich, saying, "A little bit of risk there, a little bit of risk." Can't trust I'll pass on the risk. But you know, you got to fit somebody in there. Uh, maybe Julio Jones. You know, there's not a lot of risk on Julio. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, definitely some risk because he's facing uh, you know a potential suspension. I want to talk about that real quick. If you read the article on DLF. Uh, Dynasty League football this week, he talk, they talked about Christine Michael and the reports surrounding Christine Michael continue as the coaching staff came away from the OTAs and mini cramp, just totally impressed with this Christine Michael. And uh, it, it, we thought it was probably a, a bad situation. And we're looking at it now and saying, well, geez, you know, Lynch, uh, the DUI. Turbin is is Turbin the guy that we thought he was, and I, they don't think he's as talented as Christine Michaels. So Lynch does have uh, this issue, you know. They could part ways with him like next year. I, I I doubt that they would, but you know you've got to keep yourself out of trouble. Yeah. Uh, well, the one thing about Lynch, uh, you know, he, he's had some baggage uh, before, and he's got baggage right now. 
but if I'm redrafting, if I'm redrafting and uh, if I'm looking strictly redraft for one year, uh, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm taking Lynch ahead of Trent Richardson. Uh, maybe not Ray Rice. Well, maybe even Ray Rice. I mean, Marshawn Lynch is a beast. I mean, that, that they call him that for a reason, and he's shown that on the field. So, uh, there is some baggage there with him. Uh, if I'm in Dynasty, now I don't want no part of him. But uh, redraft, yeah, I'll take Lynch all day long. Yeah, uh, I just asked this question in the chat room, the crew here. How much will Lynch command on the market next season? And do you think Seattle will pay it? <laughs> you know, that's going to be interesting to find out. Uh, look, if Lynch has another year like he did, he's going to be like, show me the money. You know, I only got to – I'm still a young back. I still need to get this contract, right? Uh, he'll be 28 next year. So he'll, he's playing for that one big contract, right? So will they pay Marshawn Lynch after another really good Seattle-type year for Marshawn Lynch? It'll be very Probably interesting not. to see. Yeah, you know, I kind of I, I, I doubt it. I don't think they would. They got I, this I young really buck. They, I mean, he can have a great year uh, this year, and I expect him to have a great year. But even after that, they're going, okay, 28, 28, that number, 29, I, I don't know. We we don't want to go – we don't want to commit long term. We don't want to commit yeah. three, four years down the road. No way. Mm-mm. Yeah, so this draft board, uh, look, we're, we're through the first round. The second round, Lynch, Forte, Demarius, Jimmy Graham. Can't fault you for taking Jimmy Graham. This is not a one-and-a-half-point nope. league. But he's still a monster, especially with Sean Payton back. Percy Harvin, Morris, Steven Jackson, Julio Jones, Roddy White, Fitzgerald, oh, Cobb, oh, Bush. I want to talk really about like... uh, Julio Jones and Roddy White. Yeah. If you don't mind, Scott, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. Uh, we've got uh, Julio Jones and Roddy White. It seems like they've been going back and forth in a lot of drafts that I've been uh, watching. Um, you took uh, Julio Jones. Uh, why did you take Julio Jones ahead of uh, Roddy White? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think they're probably fairly comparable. I think what you saw from Julio Jones was a tremendous sense for um, the ability to catch, you know, the big ball, the touchdown ball. And I think, uh, you know, that was that really showed itself last year. Twelve and a half percent TD percentage, not not a not a huge crazy number or anything like that. It's nothing that I really draw a lot from, but it is a big number. And I saw what he did in the playoffs; just looks incredible. His ability to separate. Uh, this is a guy that was on par right there, neck and neck with Roddy, pretty much most of the season, right? Uh, yep. It was just it's just this year. I think he'll command a little bit more of the targets, a little bit more of the deep balls. And I think you'll start to see Julio separate just a little bit. Um, I think Roddy will still be right there because I don't think – I think Gonzo takes a step back. They didn't really do anything to address the wide receiver three spot held by Harry Douglas, Louisville zone. So, I think it's going to be neck and neck with those guys. I just just prefer Julio to Roddy. You know what, Scott? It really is going to be neck and neck. Uh, You know, and that's what I was going to say between now and – you know, uh, the September, the main event, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, where Julio and uh, Roddy Jones or Roddy White, uh, where they fit in into each draft. Because, you know, you're going to find one draft where one is above the other and the other draft where uh, it's vice versa. It's, it's yeah, going to be fun to watch, though. 
I don't really think that anybody should take Roddy White over Julio just because I think Julio's the young buck in the league. And the funny thing is, Julio did what he did last year. Remember, uh, only 15 starts, but on 850 snaps or thereabout, Roddy White did it on 1,000 snaps. So, you know, what he was doing on the field was on less opportunities to do it. And I, and I think, you know, that sort of kind of is taking its, taking its turn as you grow up a little bit. You're going to start to command just as many snaps as Roddy White on the field if you can stay healthy. Uh, but when he was out there, he was, uh, he was quite a monster. Both of them are. Both of them are absolute. Uh, yep. Matt Ryan is very undervalued. I know that Steven Jackson will help close out games better, so they're not having to come from behind, right, you would think. But to get Matt Ryan in the seventh, think. I mean, look at that. KFFL gets Matt Ryan in the seventh. I get Peyton Manning in the fifth. Uh, I will always – I said this in that draft. I will. It's a cardinal rule of mine. If Peyton Manning falls to me in the fifth, I take him and I don't care. My strategy is always to take a quarterback last. I always want to be last to take a quarterback or right about close to last. Uh, sometimes if I'm on the end, I go ahead and take one uh, just so I don't get totally screwed. But the cardinal rule for me is if Peyton Manning's in the fifth, I take him, and I don't think twice about it, and I just move on with my draft because point values aside, point, Peyton Manning has the ability to be the number one quarterback in the draft. Every year he steps yep. out on the field, every year, and he has the best weapons he's ever assembled. Uh, with the addition of Wes Welker, now he's got, you know, and, and Demarius and Dex. I mean, look, this in a defense that looks like they're on a championship-type run. Uh, Peyton Manning in the fifth, I don't look back. I don't even think about it. I just make the pick, and I move on, and I alter my strategy if that's what happens. He's just that guy that yeah. I do that with. So, All right, well, like let's run. move on. Uh, I, you know, I'm really uh, kind of curious about Fantasy Taz as we uh, go down through there. Uh, after Randall Cobb was taken by CBS uh, – Fancy Taz, Reggie Bush, and uh, Gronk. Yeah. Well, an excellent draft by Fancy Taz. Tom Brady and Gronk. Anytime Tom Brady and Gronk are staring at you on the other side of the of your lineup, uh, your opponent, you're pretty freaked out. The fact that he adds Adrian Peterson and Reggie Bush and Frank Gore to that equation uh, just makes it scary. Now, the wide receivers, you could argue – I don't want Mike Williams as my number two. I just don't. Will he be a top 25 wide receiver? There's a good chance. I just don't like him as my number two. But there's not a lot at that point he can do about that. He could have taken somebody else, but at really, when you wait that long, he's probably the best option out there. Uh, but that's what you get. You're gonna be. He's going to be beating other teams at those other positions. That's kind of how he designed the draft. I'm going to beat you at tight end. I'm going to beat you at running back. And, uh, I th- and, he, and he's right. basically saying, I like my wide receivers. Uh, you know, that's kind of tough. It's it's kind of tough, but uh, on the other side of it, others are, go, are looking at it saying, well, you know, I, I got to beat here. So, uh, Chris Johnson, give me give, give me give me some thoughts about Chris Johnson, Scott. I, I'm Go really, uh, ooh, I, I'm, well, I'm before, wrestling before with I go guy. there, let me say this. This is the FFWC uh, format. It's a little unfair to ask anybody to jump into an FFWC format. I believe it's the most challenging format in the country, bar none, for a redraft league, not an auction. I think auction takes the cake for most challenging. But I think that redraft, the 11-man lineup, is the most challenging in the country because it forces you to think about every position and making sure that you don't miss out. Wide receivers, you can't get bailed out, right, in this type of format. In other formats, you can get bailed out. Oh, well, you know, I only have to start two here, I only have to start here. You got to start three up to five wide receivers every single week. 
And so you yeah. have to have faith in Decker, Mike Williams, and Kendall Wright as your three, or Sidney Rice as your three, or Cordero Patterson. Yeah. You have to have every and single that, week. And then you have to survive buys and, and injuries at that position. Yep. Yeah. And have confidence in them. You have to have confidence in them, in each and every one of them. Well, it's very, very tough format. But, uh, yeah, so you asked about Chris Johnson. Yes, I did, because I'm I'm very interested in Chris Johnson. Your thoughts on Chris Johnson? We talked about this on the Tuesday night podcast with Micah James, the FF Magic Man. He was kind enough to pop on, and we talked about Chris Johnson. And my take is this. I think the uh, the hate runs deep for Chris Johnson because people were spending – one four, one five, one seven, and even last year in the second round, you know, I think I think people were just when you drafted Chris Johnson the last couple of years, you have you you felt burned, right? You didn't feel like you got what you drafted, what you what you wanted out of him. The fact mm-hmm. is, uh, he's still he's still a pretty darn decent back that you're getting in the third round, um, and and I think that that. That it's just one of those personal preference things. Look, he had on 835 snaps, 276 rushes, 1,250 yards, six touchdowns, averaged four and a half yards a carry, and caught 36 balls on 44 targets. I mean, that's a pretty darn good season. It's just not a Chris Johnson season. You're expecting Adrian Peterson type numbers: 2,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, 50 or 60 catches. Right. He's not. And, and you didn't get that. And so what happens is you kind of get get this feeling like, I don't want anything to do with Chris Johnson anymore. So you pass for something a little more attractive and sexy and exciting, like a Lamar Miller. But I'm not saying you should. Uh, I, I, that's well, my take me, on Chris Johnson. Well, okay. Well, well, let me throw this out, Scott. Uh, I'm noticing this draft, you were uh, drafting 3-5. Now, you're sitting there at 3-5. Say Chris Johnson is on the board, Lamar Miller is on the board, DeMarco Murray, who you, who you took, is on the board, and David Wilson is on the board. You've got Chris Johnson, Lamar Miller, DeMarco Murray, and uh, David Wilson. Which one do you take? Well, look, the last couple of days, our team has hashed over our breakout player of the year and really refined our, our, our projections quite a bit. And I guess if push came to shove, I would probably take David Wilson right now because I have him in my top ten without as much risk with DeMarco Murray. I have DeMarco Murray on a full, healthy season uh, of 245 carries, finishing 13th, which is still a high number for DeMarco. Uh, But I I would go back and see. That's a good group to choose from, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not as high on Lamar Miller. I don't think there's as much offense there to go around as some of those other situations. I mean, when you look at what Miami's been doing, they have definitely been dumping to the wide receivers, uh, and they and they running the ball about 380 times last year, right? Uh, so yeah. there's there's room there, there's there's opportunity there, but offensively, in uh, you know, I, do I see Lamar Miller busting out 10 and 12 touchdowns? Probably not. Mm-mm. No. Not in not in the, not in this first year. I could see seven touchdowns on 200 two and a quarter. Breaks a thousand yards, maybe gets you thirty or thirty-five receptions. It's a pretty darn good year. It's a top twenty year, for approaching top fifteen. But you know, hey, uh, right. can he can he catch the ball? Can he pass protect? Can he do? It's kind of the same conversation we're having about David Wilson. 
it, yeah, it, exactly. but, but but you're in a but you're in a much better offense. Mm-hmm. Who else? Uh, well, who do you like out of? Uh, go ahead, Scott. I said, who do you like out of that group? You know, it, it's very tough. You know, I just keep looking and looking, and uh, uh, to be honest with you, I, I like Chris Johnson. I, I mean, I, I think he was drafted as uh, as he should be drafted. Uh, you know, top of the third round, bottom second round. Uh, and after Chris, I would go with uh, DeMarco. I mean, I really would, uh, because I, there's just going to be a lot of things going to happen with him uh, in that offense. Uh, but yeah, man, I got to throw David Wilson. So it, it's a mixed bag. So it's it's kind of a crapshoot. But I, you know, honestly, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those. You can sit there and say I drafted this. You know how these drafts go. You yeah. know, once the, the main events get rolling, well, I took so-and-so, and I feel good about it. Everybody feels good about their draft. <laughs> but, uh, you know, out of, out of that situation, uh, you know, you're you're talking uh, late two, early three. Uh, I, I can't uh, I can't blame anybody for taking any one of those, to be honest. Hey, uh, Taz, while you're in the chat room, my man, put a, put a link to the draft that you're doing right now, the mock draft that we're in, the big 22-rounder. You can uh, you can follow this. The hashtag is FFDM100. FFDM100. This is a crazy 22 team draft that this sucker's got us doing. I can't believe it, man. I I mean I'm not learning anything from it, but uh, and it's a total crazy lineup. It's the craziest league ever. But uh, look, hey, we appreciate uh, Matt DeLima coming on tonight talking about the Lance Moore article, the the handcuff article. I think that's a that's a fun article to read. Uh, the rankings are out. The outlooks keep coming out every single day. Uh, there's a lot of good content stuff. We've got a very fun contest coming up for FF Toolbox uh, fans. It should be here right around the corner. Uh, it's very, very fun to be a part of. Very affordable for everybody to play. You're going to absolutely love it once you get a chance to. Uh, and uh, we've got some some big news on the weekly game front uh, that we'll be announcing soon. So, Mike, uh, uh, just a, a good time to be playing uh, fantasy, be involved in fantasy. Yeah. And aside from this whole Aaron Hernandez thing, let's talk about the fantasy implications here for the New England Patriots. Everybody's talking about it. We have to at least address it on Red versus Blue before the end of the show. I really, uh, look, aside from everything and all the bad, let's talk about it strictly from football. Can we do that for a second? Let's do it. Bill Belichick is, uh, we know he's, and, and I love the fact that they, they moved on from this situation like that. I mean, they were on top of it before we were. We yep. were like, wow, that was fast. Really appreciate that about the Patriots. I love the fact that they're replacing the jerseys. If anybody bought their kid a jersey up for Hernandez, the Patriots are allowing you to replace that with another jersey so they don't see Hernandez jerseys walking around every place. I think that's that's because they get it. They're the New England Patriots, yep. right? On the fantasy field and on the NFL field, we have to figure out what's going to happen to this offense that was so potent last year. They they led the league in snaps, over 1,100 snaps last year. You would think that it's going to slow the offense down a little bit, right? You would think that they bring it down, rein it in just a little bit because of injuries to Gronk and now the loss of Hernandez, and that this opens things up for the dumpers to Vereen, the ground game for Ridley. Uh, you've got a, you've got several winners here in this situation. You've got Danny Amendola that's a winner in this. 
You've got Aaron Dobson, the rookie, that has just as much to gain as anybody. And then I, I'm not so naive to think that Jake Ballard is just going to step into the shoes of the New England tight end and be that. I think we all remember that New England, before Gronk and Hernandez, didn't throw to the tight end as much as they do now. You remember they were molding that offense, and we were looking at very hard to figure out what they were doing, and they were using tight ends as wide receivers, and they would bring in two and three of them at a time. They changed the game. Gronk and Hernandez changed the game of tight ends for the New England Patriots, and they changed with it. So they're going to have to go back and kind of resync up, Mike. But I really like what this means. The one guy I really like what this means for, for some reason, is Shane Vereen. I just think it it presents more opportunities for the ground game to get involved, and that means Shane Vereen's value, where you're getting him right now, uh, there's a lot to be had there for Shane Vereen. I, that's just my gut. What do you What do there's, you think? Well, there's going to be a lot of different names uh, thrown out there. Uh, between now and uh, the 1st of September. And not only that, Scott, between September and I would say uh, the middle of October, there's somebody's, somebody's going to emerge. Uh, I'm not concerned about this uh, offense at all. I, I mean, they're, they're going to find a way, it's Patriot way, you know, like, like we talked about. Uh, but they, they will struggle. Don't get me wrong. They're going to struggle. They're going to struggle to find their identity because – it's a totally different offense, like you said. I mean, you're talking no Welker, no Hernandez, no Gronk for a bit. Uh, and a running back by committee, uh, Vereen, what about uh, Blunt? Is he even going to carry them all? I mean, you don't, you don't even know what's going to go on with this thing. But uh, they're going to find a way to get it done. But I will not trust this team until the middle of October. Be watching the ADP on Shane Vereen, guys. Just watch what's happening here. Watch yeah. what you're seeing. Watch what the high stakes guys are doing. I'm I'm seeing him go early. I saw him go in the sixth. I saw him go in the seventh on Tuesday night. He's starting to creep up there from the from lower. If you start to look at my fantasy league versus the ninety nine dollar draft and goes on Tuesday night, you'll start to see the difference. Start comparing the two. Keep a running log of your ADPs and you will start to see where these guys are going and where they're headed. Not just the masses ADP from my fantasy league, but take the guys that are willing to spend 100 bucks. It's not a lot of money, but it is a lot of money, and it separates uh, the type of information you're going to get from that ADP from what you're going to get from other websites. So if you have a chance to participate in the Tuesday night draft and goes, I highly encourage it. 99 bucks draft and go. You get to save that draft and uh, be a part of it, uh, and uh, you will you will learn a lot. So. Hey, Mike, that's all we got for tonight. Go over right. and everybody check out the High Stakes Fantasy Hour with Dave and Bulky, uh, the FFPC. And uh, we'll see Thanks, you guys, guys next Friday man. night. Appreciate it, Scott. La, 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 wait till I get my money right. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven. When I woke, I smit that on a necklace. I told God I'll be back in a second. Man, it's so hard not to act reckless. The home much is given, much is tested Get arrested, guess until he gets the message I feel the pressure, under more scrutiny And what I do, act more stupidly Bought more jewelry, more Louis V My mama couldn't get through to me The drama, people suing me I'm on TV talking like it's just you and me I'm just saying how I feel, man I ain't one of the Cosby's, I ain't go to hell, man 
I guess the money should have changed them. I guess I should have forgot where I came from. Please join us next time.